Welcome to Awakening Genius. This is a podcast and community dedicated to your inspiration and your elevation so that you can live fully creatively expressed. I'm your guide, Dijon. Thanks for being here. Stay tuned in to get lifted. Before we get started today, I wanted to invite y'all into something very special. If you resonate with this energy that we're expressing here, then this is something that you will probably enjoy. It's an opportunity to deepen with our community and expand your current network of creatives. We now have a program here at Awakening Genius that is designed to help you embody the infinite creative potential that you have. We all have equal amounts of creative possibility living within us, and it's our work to embody it and ground it so that we can consciously co-create a world together. Now, some of us don't identify with the label artist, but being an artist is not about whether you express yourself through a specific medium like painting or drawing. Being an artist is the level of presence you hold when you do anything. That's why an original painting is infinitely more valuable than a print because the artist actually interacted with that painting and infused it with their energy and consciousness. Art is an energetic transmission, and it's not limited to the things we traditionally think of as art. When your grandmother cooks you a meal and infuses it with love, that is artistry in action. So inside of the Awakening Genius container, You learn how to cultivate high vibrational energy into the temple of your body through yogic practices. And then you will practice wielding that energy through creative exercises with community and play shops led by a diverse range of creatives. So you can express your artistry however you choose to. If that sounds intriguing to you and you want to learn more and you want to deepen with us, go visit www.awakeninggenius.club. The link is also in the show notes, so you can access it there. We're looking forward to building with you, and now let's get into the episode. Thank you. So I was looking through your website and it it was very interesting because you have your own unique modality. You have the nine arms of wellness and I've heard other systems, but not nine arms of wellness. And I know that from your website, you developed it through overcoming some very specific things in your own life. And I would love to hear what those were and how you developed this new modality. Yes, thank you. And I'm really excited to be here, talk to your audience. I was a former high school teacher and I was drawn to the health practice because of my own struggles and with health. But I think nine arms specifically because 
I had a conversation with my teacher one day and she said something very close to what Wayne Dyer says, what comes out of you when you're squeezed is what is inside of you. And she said something so profound to me. She said, you are self-love, you are love, you are pure joy and consciousness. How can you find that in every little thing that you do in your life and be aware of it? And so that got me thinking. I said, I'm happy with what I'm doing, but am I completely in that pure state of love? And I had to say no. And so that got me thinking. And I am a meditator, so I went deeper for answers. And nine arms is what came out of it. I don't know why nine arms, but it came out and I started creating the program. And now today, five years later, it makes so much more sense. Mm. It's hard to explain that because... I just went with my gut. I just went with, okay, this sounds right. This sounds like it's not just nine arms of wellness, but it's wholeness. It's feeling whole in so many different ways. And my nine arms are food, hydration, sleep, breathing, movement, meditation, connection. So I felt like all of us need all those components to feel whole, right? But I didn't know what that would mean in a business, to be honest. I just went with my gut and started teaching people this thing about squeezing yourself and you squeeze an orange, you get orange juice. I want you to squeeze yourself and get a lot of love. That's the only mantra that I went with. And it's turned out to be the right decision for me because it's not just about my clients and their well-being. It's also about me because I want to walk the talk. I mean, you can't really practice something that you don't practice, right? So, yeah, that's how it all started. Wow, that's amazing. That's so much in what you just said. And one is the self-inquiry that you did based on your teacher's prompt. Yeah. And that alone is, I think, the first step is being willing to look at yourself and I believe that's actually one of the eight limbs of yoga from Patanjali. Yeah. The self-inquiry. And when you talk about the nine arms of wellness, that reminds me of the eight limbs of yoga. But what I really like about what you're doing is it's updated and it's building upon what came before with your own unique twist based on your own intuition. You use the term gut feeling. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important because that's a literal thing. Like we have different intelligence centers and I think the heart is where we're supposed to live. And then the gut also gives us certain information. And then we have the brain that gives us other information. And when I think about you taking your intelligence from there and also making your own system, it just shows that the truth is a living thing. It's not something that someone wrote down 4,000 yeah. years ago and it never changes life adapts, life changes, and therefore we intuit with our body what is most relevant or what is most pertinent now. And then we make updates and you did that. Yeah. I think that's very profound. Absolutely. And I think you're spot on about the gut. And today, this incredible information about how everything is happening. It starts with your gut. In Ayurveda and traditional Chinese medicine, we were always told that our gut and our brain come from the same tissue. But not so much in the Western world, but now they are finding out that the gut and the brain are deeply connected. If you're feeling quite mad in your head, it's a connection to what is happening in your gut. So I find that fascinating and I find that so true. When I work with my clients, I 
when their gut is happy, they're more intuitive. They rely on that voice in them. There's yoga, I'm sure you do a lot, activate your vagus nerve, right? With your ujjayi breath and all of that. All of that is not just for yogis, it's for all of us. And that constant conversation between your brain and your gut is so important, not just at a body level, but really at a spiritual level, at a soul level, because this is our vehicle and we need to take care of it. So. Yeah, I totally agree. And in your experience, what are some of the most destructive habits of eating that you see in Western society? And what are some of the remedies for those situations? I would say the standard American diet, which is a lot of refined foods, sugar, refined carbs, anything that comes in a box and over thing of junk food, burgers, things like that, all of that can cause your gut to be messed up. You, you're, you're sharing space with microbes, your microbiome. And I'm sure your listeners have heard that 95% of you is are your microbes. It's your microbiome DNA and your 5% human DNA. So a lot of times we end up feeding our 5% human DNA versus the microbes who are doing some heavy lifting for us. Mm. So when a client comes to me, that is the first thing I explain to them. I mean, especially if they tend to be more of a science, show me the proof, show me the science. And that's where I take them. Like I had a client yesterday, she was all about energy and being in that space. So how I explain to her is very different. I talk to her about stress, about energy and how it affects your microbes. And they listen, they are listening all the time. And so creating that relationship with your gut and what exists inside you is, is so important. So going back to foods, I would say feeding them is key. And how do you feed them? They like diversity. They want a lot of plant-based foods they want the diversity from the plant kingdom so a lot of fiber rich foods lots of veggies different kinds all of that prebiotic foods like your kimchi and your sauerkraut things like all of that really helps and they're happy when you feed them a variety of foods yeah what i'm wanting to practice more is eating seasonally and mm. eating a variety of vegetables from that season because that's why they exist at that time is because that's yeah. what our body needs. Yeah. And in addition to the big eating seasonally is the research has shown that they have a lot more antioxidants and it does make sense. And going with the organic route helps your gut as well. And it's not just because the pesticides are bad for you. Yes, they are terrible for your gut, but organic foods have more antioxidants and micronutrients. So I'm curious about your life before this, because I would imagine it was somewhat of a journey to get to the point where you were a meditator and you were willing to do this type of self-inquiry because we don't start there usually. So where are you from? I'm from India. Okay. Yeah. Where in India? Bangalore. And... How long was it before you moved to America? I was about 17, 18. Okay. Yeah. And what was your experience like there? Is that where you first got introduced to Ayurveda or yoga? No, I mean, I grew up in a family that practiced Ayurveda. And my grandfather was sort of like a Renaissance man. He was a physicist, but he'd come home and do a lot of Ayurvedic things. He was the one who taught me to chew mindfully. He said, chew your food 32 times. 
And I really thought he was loony. He was like, what are you talking about, Grandpa? But now I know that he was right. But then when I came to the States, I really embraced the, the convenience, the American way. Just thought I have to be totally American. So I really I let go of my roots. About 10 years ago, 12 years ago, I started having a lot of health issues, gut issues especially. And I went back to my roots and started thinking all my grandpa's wisdom came back to me and I started sitting with it and I thought, okay, this man made sense. Slowing down, eating mindfully. I mean, everyone's talking about it today, but even 10, 12 years ago, that wasn't, we weren't doing that as much, right. especially the internet. You don't have a lot of, in, we didn't have a lot of information. You had to go to the library or find books to help you. Yeah. We live in a different world today. <laughs> we really do. And I really appreciate the reminder to slow down. And we live in such a frenetic pace here in the West. And even though the path I'm on is a yogic path, I still feel myself doing it frenetically. You know, like always taking a new training and always striving to be my best. Yeah. It sometimes make me tired from the striving. Yeah. You know? So it's doing more mindfully. That's been like coming up. I make cacao for myself often. And sometimes I'll try to multitask and like work while I'm making the cacao. And I can't tell you how many times the stove has burned over because I've not been paying attention. And yeah. I feel like that's just the universe's reminder of yeah, just slow down. Yeah, we have a lot. And what you said, Dijon, about taking another course, another training. I wonder if that comes from our innate, I don't know, it just comes from this feeling of not being enough. Maybe another training will make me ready for something else. And that happens to all of us. Feeling of wanting to be better, be perfect comes from our childhood. What kind of parenting did we have or did not have? And those are all the things that the nine arms of wellness allows me to explore because it's about connections. It's about being present. And if we are able to incorporate all of these different arms in our lives and make it a part of our life, it doesn't matter what comes our way, tsunami, you're still in present and available for yourself. And that is the first gift that one needs to give to yourself. And that's my guru always said that. My teacher said, don't go out there trying to help the world when you can't help yourself. Help yourself first. Fix you before you try fixing other people. And that made so much sense to me because people can look at you look through you and see if you're broken right and so this helps me always stay and be present i don't know if i explained that too yeah it makes sense yeah it's, uh, just focusing on the self and letting that once you're secure in the self that energy naturally emanates outwards and in my personal experience I feel like I am more rooted in the self than mm -hmm. I have ever been, but there's, it's an infinite journey, right? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's infinite layers of presence to yeah. deep it into and uncover. Mm -hmm. And that's the joy of it because the more presence you're able to hold in your body, the deeper your experience of the external world. Yeah, there's always something coming up coming at us, insecurity, fear. Like just the other day, I was just concerned about something related to business and I said, hold on. And then I asked myself, this whole self-inquiry, if I didn't have any problems to solve, how would I feel right now? Mm -hmm. The answer I came up with was peace, love, joy, 
consciousness, awareness, there's nothing to solve. And immediately I went into hard space. And it's not that the problem went away. It's there, but how I look at it is very different. Right. You're focused on the feeling that you want to have first. And you choose that feeling before dealing with the event and don't wait on the outcome of the event to give you that. That's right. Yeah, it's like very simple and it can be hard, but it's the concept is simple. The concept is simple, but it's a lifelong practice. Right. And it doesn't matter if you are like a monk up in the mountains or you're a practitioner going through daily life and daily trials and tribulations, you're still bombarded by the same thing. And it's just how you deal with it. And because the principle is simple, it's just applying it day in and day out requires practice and just like yeah. the now the now that you're going to be doing pretty soon. You know? <laughs> yeah, It's interesting. So I've led sadhana the past two days. And then the day before that, I led a Kundalini class at night, right before I went to bed and led sadhana in the morning. And last night I was invited to a friend's birthday and I was like, okay, well, I want to be social. I still want to have a life. And I ended up staying out late <laughs> and I had to be up, you know, to lead sadhana at 6am. And when I went to bed, it was almost two. And I was like, wow, this is not going to be much sleep, but I just surrendered to what was happening because I felt in alignment yeah. to be at the party and celebrating my friends and connecting not something that happens too much these days. Mm -hmm. And I actually just prayed to get the rest that I needed and feel energized when I woke up and to be a clear vessel. And I can tell that the meditation and the work that I've been doing has allowed me to even interface with the situation like mm -hmm. that and recognize that it's not really me doing anything anyways. It's just me being present and having a certain intention Mm -hmm. and allowing the, the healing to be shared. Yeah. I think the word that you used, surrender, that's powerful, right? I mean, surrendering does not mean... When I try to explain this, some people ask me, okay, but surrendering, does that mean that you're not doing anything? It's not that. I think you and I know that it's more about setting the intention and then saying, okay, I'm letting go now. And having that intelligence and love to understand that what is to happen is going to happen. And I think I'm sure your audience really understands that. But for me, I have a lot of CEOs and people like that who are really rooted in, in the science world and like, what? What are you talking about? So it's really hard for them to understand, but eventually they do because it does make sense. And yeah, I'm trying to think of a way that maybe is more relatable to people in that field. And the only thing I can think of offhand is like flow states that people may experience in different avenues. Like I remember in high school with basketball, there was a few times when I got in the zone. And if anyone has played a sport, they know that feeling of getting in the zone where it's just mm -hmm. like everything you shoot right. goes in. Yeah. And but it's you're not doing it with an extreme amount of control. There's a, a looseness to what you're doing and you're just able to relax and do it. And you still have effort that you're putting forth, but it's the way that your being is showing up that is creating Absolutely. that ease. I think, I mean, you, you take an artist, for example, who's painting or sculpting, you're completely in the zone, like you said. And yeah, that's a good way to explain it. There's mm -hmm. no doer. There's no doership. It is being done. Mm -hmm. <laughs>
Yeah. That's a concept that's outside of logic. So until you experience it, I think it can be a challenging thing to grasp with a mind because it's really an outside of mind concept. So I'm curious in the people that you work with, are there certain aspects of the nine arms that people need more support with generally? Or is it just random and different people need different things? It's a good question. I think a lot of people who come to me, the first thing they talk about is food and health. They might say they are struggling with weight or gut issues, autoimmune, because it's a pain point, right? But as you start digging deeper, I start noticing that, okay, it's not just that, but it's also all the other arms that are required to keep them in balance. Mm. But the first thing they want to talk about, a lot of them is food and, hey, I want to lose weight or I want to fix my gut or my cholesterol is high or my blood pressure is high. Can we go about in a natural way to fix this? Mm. And how do you do that? Food creates the biggest inflammatory response in our bodies. So just changing food helps. I mean, food may take about 30 days to you start seeing difference. But what I tell them is you don't need as much with breath. Three breaths and you'll see a difference. Five to 10 minutes of meditation, cells start listening to you and you're going to see a difference. But I may not share about the first visit because it all depends on who's listening to you, right? I mean, if they are in that zone to listen. And then, yeah, I would. But generally speaking, it's I start with the first tier, which is food, sleep, and hydration. Yeah. Pillars right there. <laughs> yeah. I would like to learn more about autoimmune diseases and how they're like formed and what's happening with the body and why it's, is it the body is attacking itself in that situation? Yeah, the body is attacking itself. A lot of times, it's called molecular mimicry, where the body mistakes something that you're eating for an invader. So there are different kinds of autoimmune diseases, Dijon. There's Hashimoto's, there's lupus, uh, even asthma can be autoimmune, type 1 diabetes. What's so there are seven with lupus? Lupus is also your body attacking mm-hmm. itself. And for lupus, a lot of people, like for me, I have clients with lupus. I always start with food and stress. Those are the two big things. And I tell them, let's fix your gut. We fix your gut, we fix your life. And gluten is a big player. And gluten and dairy is where the molecular mimicry is happening. You know, your body's mistaking it for an invader. That gut lining is compromised when you have a leaky gut. Rather than tiny little molecules that go into your bloodstream and your, and your immune system recognizes as food, instead, if you have big particles floating around your bloodstream, they're like, whoa, what's happening? Something's invading us. So there's attack mode. Your immune system is compromised. So how do we stop that is by changing your diet, taking you through an elimination diet and saying, what's going on? Let's take all these triggers out and then introduce it one by one methodically and see which one is affecting you the most. Hmm. And for the most part with Hashi or lupus, I feel like gluten and dairy are huge. And then other people come with candy, things like that. Then sugar can be huge. And our society is just like, we are in love with sugar. It's literally the white powder. Yeah. 
Have you ever reversed these conditions like lupus? I know candidus, I think, is more reversible, but is lupus curable? Have you ever cured a client of that? I don't think it'll cure lupus, but what you can do is keep it at bay, the symptoms. At, and if and again, even just a little exposed gluten can trigger symptoms. So that's why I don't like the word cure. I just feel like it's in a constant being aware of what your body needs and constantly addressing it. I would say like, for example, I had a client with fibromyalgia and she loved to run. She really enjoyed activity. She couldn't do anything. She couldn't run. She couldn't exercise. And she was so distraught by it. She was bloated all the time. So when we fixed her eating and we decreased her stress within three months, she was able to go back to the things that she really loves. That's living the life that she wants to live. So is that a cure? I don't know. I mean, but if you're living the life that you like, man, I mean, I'll take that any day, right? Yeah, yeah. totally. And maybe it's something you don't need to be cured from because it's a teacher of a sort, right? Right. It's always there, like type two. Like, for example, we have so many people with type two diabetes in this country just become type 2 diabetes. It starts with pre-diabetes. And there's not a lot of difference between pre and then diabetes. And pretty soon, you could have a disease and then your doctor says you need medication. Then the medication is not enough. Then you need insulin. I mean, where does that end? But this is a diabetes is a lifestyle disease. Mm -hmm. High BP is something you can change with lifestyle. So diet and lifestyle. So why even go use a drug when you can do it via diet and lifestyle is usually my philosophy. People are attracted to that. They come seek me, you know, so. Yeah, I would imagine it's a convenience thing, just like people want fast food, people want fast solutions to their right. ailments. So being able to take the more deliberate path, I think is yeah. a pretty big step for a lot of people. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with it. It's just that a drug for something like high blood pressure or diabetes, it's never ending. You take some, then pretty soon your body is saying, oh, that's not enough. So you have to take more and more. That's the problem that I have. If it's really a disease that needs a drug, yeah, pharmaceuticals, yeah, I understand that. But maybe that's not the first step. You try all of these things, and if your body does not respond to it, the ultimate thing would be the pharmaceuticals. I mean, that's how I look at it. And that's my philosophy with the nine arms of wellness. Sounds like you're very tuned in both intuitively and that you have a very strong science backing of all the things you're doing. And I think that's wonderful. I think it's great that you can focus on both things depending on who's receiving and you can yeah. kind of tailor it so that they can process what you're saying. I think... Dijon, I've always believed that I think when we go in, I don't know if you've heard of John Travis in the 70s, he came up with a wellness model. He said that most of us go through life at like a neutral point. We don't really understand what high wellness is. And then sometimes we fall sick and then we go to doctors and doctors treat us. Sometimes the treatment works. Sometimes it doesn't and you may die. But most of the time, the treatments work. And the doctor's job is to bring you back to that neutral point, not to take you to high wellness. That's not the doctor's job. That is our responsibility. 
we need to do that for ourselves. So my mantra is optimal health is our birthright and we need to claim it. The doctors aren't going to do it for you. So when I approach any client, I want the doctor on my team. So I'm always looking for team players because this is not a one person I'm going to fix everything. This is a team and the biggest player, the biggest healer is the client. He or she has the power to heal themselves. They are the experts on their body. All I'm doing is be that guide by the side to support them. I think that's an amazing philosophy and that's the mark of a true teacher that directs people to the teacher within. Yeah. Well, that is very inspiring and I'm excited because you're going to be teaching a masterclass on mantra and how that plays into wellness and in the upcoming Awakening Genius program. And that one is coming up on May 10th. So if you're listening and you're intrigued, you can go to awakeninggenius.club. And you can also connect with Anu on her own website, which is? It's anusim.com. So that's A-N-U-S-I-M-H.com. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Well, I'm really grateful for you to have come on today and shared your wisdom and your perspective. feels very grounded and just easy. It's like light. Some people, when they're coming up with a way of wellness or their own like proprietary blend, it, it feels like very, this is the way, this is the only way, this is the best way. And yours feels very relaxed and just like, this is what I came up with, but it's not the only way. I don't expect to do it completely on my own. It's a co-creative process with me and other practitioners. Thank you, Dijon. It was a pleasure talking to you. And I am excited about the masterclass. And I do want to show everyone that mantra is not this one separate thing. You can incorporate mantra to help you be in a relaxed and digest state. And why is that important? It helps your brain. It helps your gut. It helps your being in ease, not dis-ease, you know. Um, I'm excited for that. Well, it was a pleasure, Anu. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Dijon. I hope you enjoyed that episode of Awakening Genius and that you feel closer to embodying your full creative expression. If you like what we're doing here, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Connect with us on social media at Awakening Genius. And if you want to go deeper into anything we talked about on this episode, you can go to awakeninggenius.club. This is Dijon. Much love. Peace.